Thanks for checking out Church on the Rock's message this week. We would love to help you take your next step in knowing God better. The best way to do that is visit cotr.org slash next steps. Or if you're not near our physical campus, visit our online community at cotr.org slash online. Enjoy the message and know that God is for you. Well, I hope you have your Bible, something to take notes with. We're beginning a brand new series today entitled The Authority of the Believer. The Authority of the Believer. Can you say that with me? The Authority of the Believer. One more time. The Authority of the Believer. You know, I received Christ when I was 11 years old. I made Jesus Lord of my life. I got saved, born again, became a Christian at 11. And I'm thankful for my heritage. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, Assemblies of God. My dad was a deacon. My mother was a Sunday school superintendent. We were there every Sunday, every Wednesday. Friday night was CA's Christ Ambassadors Youth Group. Every time the doors were open, we were there. That's my heritage. I grew up with that, okay, all the way to when I got out of the house and married Kim, and we went off to Bible school, Bible college. So I thank God for my heritage. I thank God for my church growing up. I thank God for what they taught me. But something happened to me. Everything changed for me when I got a hold of the doctrine I'm going to share with you today. You know, I was taught growing up that whatever happens to you is God's will. Whatever happens to you, good or bad, it's the will of God, and you can't do anything about it, so just suffer and go through it. I couldn't wrap my mind around that. I couldn't wrap my head around that. Really, I just couldn't. I couldn't see a God like that that would put bad things on me because the Bible says the devil does that, that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes to give you life and life more abundantly. Good God, bad devil. And so I couldn't wrap my head around that whatever happens to me is God's will because living that way is just living. I didn't want to just live. I wanted to overcome. You know, are you living today, existing today, or are you overcoming today? Without this doctrine I'm going to share with you today, you won't be an overcomer. You need this doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. You need this teaching to be an overcomer. People who think that everything happens to them is the will of God, they live as a victim. But people who understand the doctrine of the authority of the believer, they live as a victor. They live as an overcomer. In fact, let's just say it. I am an overcomer. Okay? So, But I can't really be an overcomer without having a revelation of the authority of the believer. You see, God gave you and me the power of choice. I can choose evil or I can choose good. I can choose God or the devil. I can choose heaven or hell. God doesn't force us. I go all the way back to our great, 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 great grandparents in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. God gave them the power of choice. God didn't force it. God didn't make it. Their circumstances or consequences were a result of their decisions. Their consequences, their circumstances 
was a result of their decision, Adam and Eve. So I, I couldn't wrap my head around, Dave, just keep your mouth shut, be a good little boy, whatever happens to you is God's will, accept it and suffer through it. I couldn't do that. I wouldn't serve a God like that. Because I deeply believe that God was a good God and God wanted to do good things in my life. And the devil's a bad devil and he wants to do bad things in my life. So when I heard this, when I heard this doctrine, it absolutely transformed the way I lived as a Christian. It transformed my life. And we're not going there, but it's Matthew 16. We'll look at it in a couple of weeks. Matthew 16, 18 and 19. And it says this, whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose. So notice the emphasis on you, not God. You, me, not God, not the Trinity. So whatever you bind will be bound, and whatever you loose will be loosed. It's called the prayer of binding and loosing. Pastor, I'm new to all of this. I don't get it. What does that mean? The word bind means stop. The word loose means allow. So in other words, whatever you stop will be stopped. And whatever you release or allow in your life will be allowed or released in your life. Am I helping somebody today? Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. The prayer of binding and loosing. To bind means you stop it. To loose means you allow it. So our circumstances and our consequences are a result of our good or bad decisions. Two weeks ago, I was here sharing with you how I had my own personal research department, Siri. Do I remember that? And I asked Siri how many people are mad at God in America. And Siri answered me 60%. 60% of Americans are angry at God. They're blaming God for their consequences. They're blaming God for their circumstances. They need this doctrine I'm sharing with you today on the authority of the believer. God did not ordain you and me to be losers, whiners, or complainers. He did not ordain us to get whipped in life. He created us to win in life and overcome and be victors. Can I have an amen? So let's begin our journey today, and let's go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Now, this is after the death, burial, resurrection, and this is the ascension. Last words are always famous. Here are Jesus' last words to his followers before his ascension to heaven. Look what he says. Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all, what's the next word? Authority. Again? Authority. One more time? Authority. Okay. All authority. We're talking about the authority of the believer. He's talking to believers, okay? And he said, all authority has been given to me, capital M, Jesus, in heaven, and this is important, on earth. You and I aren't in heaven yet. We're on earth, so it applies to us. Verse 19, go, therefore, great commission, 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Verse 20, teaching them, so we need teaching. We don't just need shouting. We don't just need preaching. Preaching, preaching is for sinners. Teaching is for saints. We need both. Preaching is for sinners. Teaching is for saints. We need both. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you. Isn't it good to know we're never alone? I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. Bottom line, death, burial, resurrection, ascension. Famous last words. He tells his followers he has regained the authority Adam lost in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, the first Adam, God said, I give you dominion, 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 and authority over everything on the earth. Adam lost that when he sinned. The Bible says in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus is the second Adam. So through Jesus, he got back what Adam lost. He got back the authority and the dominion. And then what he says is, I have it. I give it to my followers. Because my followers will need the authority I give them to fulfill the Great Commission. They will need this authority to be bold witnesses. They'll need this authority to live the Christian life as an overcomer, a victor, and not a victim. Without this doctrine, without this teaching, without this revelation of the authority of the believer, we can't fulfill and live the life God called us to live. It changed my life totally, okay? So next, let's go to the next slide, guys. What Jesus had authority over, you have authority over. If he had authority and he said he gave it to us, so doesn't it make sense what he had authority over, he gave to us, so we have authority over it as well. Can I have an oh me or an amen? Y'all with me, church? We're a learning church now. We're a teaching church. So the authority he had, he gave to us as followers. So that means his authority has been given to us. What he had authority over, we have authority over as well. Now, religion wants to put all the responsibility on God and take it off of man. Religion wants to put all the responsibility on God and take it off of man. It's a myth to say God is in control. God is not in control. If God was in control, there'd be no abortions. There'd be no incest. There'd be no drunkenness. There'd be no sexual perversion. There'd be no wars. If God was in control, there'd be no racism, bigotry, if God was in control. If God was in control, he'd make you tithe. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So let's go to the next slide. Jesus had authority over demons. Jesus had authority over demons. If you know your Bible, it says in the last days, more demonic activity will take place than ever before. I know you're like me. I am seeing more demonic activity than I've ever seen in my lifetime or ministry, okay? 
But the good news is, Jesus was given authority over demons. As Christians, one of our ministry is the casting out of devils. Are you with me? Mark 16, verse 15 through 20. It lists our job description at the very beginning is casting out devils. There is going to be more demonic activity in the days to come than you have ever seen. And my job is to arm you and prepare you for it, okay? You ever gone into some place and people just treated you terribly and they just abused you and misused you and did crazy things? It wasn't them. It was the spirit behind them. And it was the presence of God on you that rattled that demonic activity. Okay? So let's look at the scripture now. All of these are found. I want to give you five things Jesus had authority over. If he had authority over it, as a Christian, you have authority over it. This is not a formula. It won't work as a formula. I'm going to th- try that Monday. It won't work. It doesn't work through formula. It only works through faith. Okay? So all five are in Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Easy to study. Now, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having what? Authority. There you see the word. They, they were astonished it was different. There was an anointing. There was an authority, not as the scribes. Verse 23. Now, there was a man in the synagogue in church with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Notice that demon that Jesus and his presence being in the synagogue activated demonic activity. Weird stuff. You and I have both been places where we thought, how come they were so weird? They were so belligerent. They were so, uh, they didn't, they were so crazy that normally if it's out of the normal, it's because demonic activity behind that person. And the presence of God on you stirred it up like the presence of God on Jesus stirred it up in church. Now, there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. Say unclean spirit. In the Bible, in the law of interpretation, unclean spirit always dealt with sexual perversion. Sexual perversion. I just want to ask you a question. Are we seeing sexual perversion now like never before? We don't know if we're a boy or a girl or what we are or what we should be. I've never thought in my lifetime I would see sexual perversion like that. So notice unclean spirits in the Bible always deal to sexual perversion. And notice this demonic activity. Notice the demon cried out. Jesus had authority over demons. Verse 24. Saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Notice that that demon spirit knew who Jesus was and who he was identified with, the God of Israel. Identification has a whole lot to do with the authority of the believer. You have to know who you are in Christ. Right? All right, so verse 25. But Jesus rebuked him. Say it with me. The power of a rebuke. 
Say it again. The power of a rebuke. You and I have the same authority that Jesus had. He gave it to us as followers. What he had authority over, you have authority over. So don't allow demonic activity in your life or in your home. You need to stand up and rebuke it. The lies, the accusation, the things that he's saying to you and whispering to you, that demonic activity, you don't live with it, you don't exist with it, you don't put up with it, you don't tolerate it, you rebuke it. What you bind is bound, what you loose is loosed, what you tell to stop has to stop. What you say is to be released has to be released. The power of a rebuke. So we don't put up, we're not afraid of demons, we're not afraid of fallen angels, we're not afraid of evil spirits, and we don't put up with their tactics, lies, and methods. We take our authority and rebuke them. And Jesus spoke to the demon and said, shut up! I put that in there. And come out of him. Next verse. And when the unclean spirit had conversed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Power over demons. Authority over demon activity. When there's unusual things going on in your life from every direction, financial, physical, family, you can always trace it back to increase demonic activity against you. And you need to rise up with the doctrine of authority of the believer, take the authority Jesus had and gave to us and activate that. All right? Next verse. They were all amazed, so they questioned among themselves, what is this? What new doctrine? What new doctrine? And for a lot of you, this is new doctrine. You've never heard this before. The authority of the believer. What is the doctrine? For with authority. What is the doctrine? For with authority. Do y'all see that family? You see the scripture. What is this doctrine? New or with authority. I grew up in the church. My parents were awesome. They weren't perfect, but they were awesome. The church was awesome, but it didn't know this new doctrine. They taught me whatever happens to you is God's will. Put up with it. Deal with it. Someday you'll get to heaven. I couldn't wrap my brain around that nor would I serve a God who did that. For with authority, he commands even unclean spirits, which always deal with sexual perversion, and they have to obey him. Next. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Let's go to number two. Next slide. Sickness. Jesus had authority over sickness and diseases. He had authority over sickness and diseases. Really, pastor? The Bible says that he took our infirmities on the cross. He took our sickness and our diseases on the cross so we could receive healing. Am I right? The great exchange, right? We're redeemed from sickness. Now, we all deal with it. We all have to go through it, but the key is we have authority, Authority to use against it, all right? So scripture for this, Mark chapter 1. They are all in the book of Mark. At evening, when the sun had set, 
they brought to him all who were what? Sick. And those who were demon-possessed. Now, just because we get sick, we're not demon-possessed. This was just talking about the whole crowd that was there. Verse 33. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Next verse. Then he healed many who were sick. He had authority over sickness. In Mark 16, you're to cast out devils and you're to lay hands. Help me finish it. You're to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Wow. Then he healed many who were sick with all kinds of diseases. I am thankful for every doctor in our community, our church. We have several. All the nurses, all the pharmaceutical people, we need you. Thank God for you. But there are times when you come to us and say, we don't have an answer. It's incurable. At that time, whose report am I going to believe? You don't have to live with it the rest of your life just because man doesn't have an answer. You have authority over all kinds of diseases. He cast out many demons. He did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Next. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Next slide. Number three. So number one, we have authority over demons. Number two, we have authority over sickness. And you can take this and study this for yourself. Number three, we have authority over bad weather. Remember what he had authority over? You've been given that authority. And now we have that authority. Without this doctrine of the authority of the believer, you're going to live as a whipped up, beat up Christian. Unhappy and miserable, all your Christian experience, waiting for heaven for victory. That is not God's will for you and me. He had authority over bad weather. Mark, next slide, chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Verse 36. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and the other little boats were also with him. Next verse. And a great storm arose, a mega storm, it says in the Greek language, huge. A great mega storm arose, and the waves beat against the boat so that it was filling up with water. Verse 38. But he was in the stern asleep on the pillow. I want you to notice something. I want to extract something, a lesson. Jesus was asleep in the storm. Jesus was asleep in the storm. We extract from that, people shouldn't even know when we're going through a storm by our outward behavior. He was asleep in the storm. He had the peace of God. He wasn't troubled, fearful, anxious, insomnia, worried. He was asleep in the storm while the disciples were fearful, anxious, fretting, watching the news. He was asleep in the stern, but look at this. He was asleep on a pillow, and they had to wake him up, and they said to him, notice, here's the key on how to be asleep in the storm. In other words, 
sleeping in the storm doesn't mean you're oblivious to it. It means that you know you have the greater one on the inside, and the peace of God will be your guide, and it will all work out for your good. And this too shall pass. Everyone say asleep. Oh, everyone say asleep. Everybody who is asleep, say asleep in the storm. You need to learn that because people shouldn't even know when you're going through trouble that you're going through trouble. Pastor, you mean we can't share? Oh, yeah, we should share. But once we have shared and once we've given it to God, then people shouldn't even know what we're going through until we've gone through it on the other side. It's a testimony to God. Now, the key was that he had his head on a pillow. He had his head on a pillow. Pastor, what kind of pillow was it? A feathers, a foam? A, what kind of was it? It was the word. The pillow represents the promises of God. The pillow represents the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ's mind. Okay? Standing on the... His pillow represents promises of God. Where was his head? On the promises of God. His head wasn't wrapped around the circumstances or the storm or the trouble or the problem or the difficulty or the adversity. His head was wrapped around the Word of God. His brain, his mind was being renewed in the one-year Bible daily, and it caused him to be asleep in the storm. There is a storm we are in and a greater storm coming, but you and I can sleep in the storm, not be worried about our future, not be fretting, anxious, upset, or insomnia. Come on, let's don't patty cake. Let's give the Lord. So look, they're blaming God. They're blaming God. They said, teacher, don't you care? They're putting their responsibility on him instead of taking it on themselves. Don't you care that we're perishing? Verse 39. Then he arose. And what did Jesus do? He rebuked the wind and the storm. Say it with me. The power of a rebuke. It can change your circumstances. It can change the, the trajectory of your life. It can change the trajectory of your family, of your marriage, of your children, of your children's children. The power of a rebuke can say, no longer, devil, you can't have my children, my grandchildren. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my baby. You can't have my health. You can't have my mind. You're not going to mess with my feelings. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Notice, for a great storm, there was a great calm. How did it change? The authority of the believer. The power of a rebuke. You know, in the Bible, we'll look at it in a couple of weeks. In James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, resist the devil. As part of the authority of the believer, resistance. It says, you are to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Am I right, everybody? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Look up the word resist in the Greek if you want to. It's perpetual. You resist perpetual. You never stop. It's not on Sunday only, twice a week, once a day. It's perpetual. It's continual. You never stop resisting the devil. You don't say it once and you think you got it. It's to be a lifestyle, a lifestyle of resistance, a lifestyle of using your God given authority. 
It's not once in a while, try to work it. It won't work through a formula. It won't work for you. You've got to have faith in what I'm saying today. You've got to believe in what I'm saying today, or it won't work no way for you. So you have faith in it. It's not a formula. And from a great storm to a great calm, the power of a rebuke. And you've got to resist the devil. You've got to say, I rebuke you perpetually, continually. You never stop. It never stops. It will increase, I promise you, as the end of the age and craziness out there in the world increases, you're going to need to know the doctrine of the authority of the believer. Amen? Gene, you have told me down through the years so many times how you were saved and protected when you used the name of Jesus, when you used the authority that God gave you, how God protected him, watched over him, and kept him from harm. It works, doesn't it, Gene? He arose, rebuked the You can do something about your situation. He rebuked the storm and said, peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I'm going to get happy in just a moment here. Next slide, next slide. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They put the responsibility on Jesus. Jesus put it back on them. Religion wants to put all the responsibility on God and take it away from man. In other words, blaming God for my consequences and my circumstances. We're not going to live that way, folks, and have victory. We're not going to live that way and be an overcomer. Next slide. And they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea? Do you speak the things? I sure do. Jesus spoke to a tree. Jesus said, spoke to a mountain. Here Jesus speaks to the wind. Here Jesus speaks to the sea. Pastor, are we supposed to go around speaking to nature? Yeah, I think so. But we learn from this something greater than that. You are supposed to speak to natural things. You are supposed to speak to your circumstances. And that's what will change your circumstances if you resist and rebuke the devil perpetually, continually. You never stop. Okay, next slide. Number four is sin. We have five. Five things that he was had authority over, you have authority over, and they're all found in the book of Mark. He had authority over sin and destructive habits. Next slide, guys. Mark 2, verse 1. Sure do love you all. Six of you. Boy, that's kind of weak. I better pray for you to love me. Amen. Sure do love you all. I don't even know you, Pastor. I've been coming two weeks. Well, you know I love you if I feed you. Look at the preparation of this sermon. Look at the preparation of our service. Look at all that we've done for you and your family. That's proof that we love you. It's not happenstance. We work all week. I want to arm you. I want you to walk in victory. I want you to be an overcomer. I want you to enjoy your life and not endure. I want you to live as an overcomer. Okay. And again, he entered to Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. How many know he's in this house today? He's in the house. Verse 2, immediately many gathered. How many know he wants many in this house to gather and not stay at home? He wants many to gather in his house so that there's no longer any room. You got to take the curtains down. You got to add a Saturday night service. You got to go back to a Wednesday night service because there's no room to receive them all. 
Do you get the analogy here? It's God's will for the church to be full, his house to be full, for to be no room. You keep adding services. That's the will of God, not to stay home, not to be indifferent, not to backslide, not to miss the rapture. Immediately, many gathered together in that house, so there was no longer any room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. What should happen? The word should be preached and taught. Next verse. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Next verse. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof. And when they had broken through, they let down the bed on the paralytic was lying on. Next verse. Jesus saw their faith. Do your children see you, mom and dad? Do they see faith or fear? Worry or worship? Regret or reverence? You can see faith if you have faith. Faith comes out in our behavior, our attitude, our response, our reaction, our expectation. Faith comes out in our words. Jesus said, if somebody has faith, you can see their faith in their outward behavior. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus had authority over sin and sinful habits. I'm here to tell you, you can break that habit. You can break that habit. No matter what the world has told you, you can break that damnable, destructive habit. You can break it, you can, you can curse it, and you can, you can cause it to stop. You can bind it with the authority, and you can release the virtue of Christ in its place in your life. Come on, let's can one more time. Let's don't patty cake. Let's sing out for victory over sin and sinful habits. Verse 6, verse 6, one number 5. This is the last one, lack. He had authority over lack. Now, there are more than these five, but I gave you these five, and they're all in the book of Mark, so you can study them for yourself. He had authority over lack. God's will is not for you and I to rob from Peter to pay Paul. God's will is not for you and I to live off the government. God's will is not for you and I to just barely get by on beggar avenue. God's will is not for you and I to worry about our finances. He had authority over lack, so that means you have authority over lack. Let's look at the scripture, Mark chapter 6. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, we're in a desert, it's late, verse 36. Send the people away, let them go to town, McDonald's, Hardee's, Burger King, and get something to eat. Verse 37. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. Notice, they want to put it on him. He puts it back on them, right? And he said, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denaro worth of bread and give them something to eat? Verse 38. But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? What do you have? What do you have in your house? There's a miracle in your house. You have a seed that will meet your need. You have a seed that will meet your need. Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. 
Next verse, verse 39. Then he commanded them to all sit down in groups of green grass. Now, I know, I know we're, we're running over a little bit, but folks, don't be in a hurry to get out of church. Okay? You can't have revival if you're in a hurry and time conscious. I know time is important, but we want a revival in our church. Okay? And you know, I'm very considerate of your time. I'm very considerate. But if you want to move of God, it takes time. Okay? So watch this now. We learn from this. No multiplication without organization. I want God to multiply me. What's your garage look like? What's your basement look like? What's your drawers look like? What's your house look like? What does your car look like? Now, we laugh at this, but until they got in groups of 50, no multiplication. Until they got organized, no multiplication. God won't give me more if I'm not faithful and organized with what I have. Okay? If I want multiplication, it's going to take organization. And I gave you Dave Ramsey app at $140 a person. Okay? To get organized, have a budget, get things in order, then watch for multiplication. Verse 40, as the team comes out, they sat down in hundreds and they sat down in fifties. Next verse. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, watch this now. This is worth going over five minutes. Watch this. He took what they had, and he looked up to heaven. Everyone say looked. In the Greek, it's the word imagination. Imagination. One of the ways you're going to use your God-given authority is use your imagination. Jesus saw into another realm God's provision. He imagined plenty instead of lack. He imagined plenty instead of lack. Use your divine imagination as the authority of a believer. He looked up. He took what he had, and he imagined what God could do with it. And he blessed it, and he broke the loaves, and he gave it to the disciples to sit down, and they divided among them all. Next verse. So they all ate, and they were filled. Say it with me. I have authority over lack. Authority over lack. Okay, am I living or am I overcoming? Authority, Christians don't know this. 80% of Christians don't know what I'm telling you right now. 80%, okay? What makes up authority? Three things. Number one, redemption. The components like a mixture in a cake, this is the components of authority. Pastor, I want to know, how do I walk in this authority? What's it made up of? Redemption. You got to know what Jesus has done for you. You've got to know what Jesus has done for you. He redeemed you from the curse of the law. He redeemed you from sickness, poverty, and spiritual death. Redemption. Number two, righteousness. you got to know who you are in Christ. You have to know your identity. He had authority. He gave it to you. you got to know your right standing. You have to know what he's done for you. You can't claim what you don't know. You have to know who you are in him. You can't claim what you don't know. And number three, resistance. These are the three R's of God-given authority. You're going to have to learn how to resist and rebuke the devil, lack, sickness, bad weather, habits. You're going to have to learn how to resist that perpetually every day of your life. You never stop walking in God-given authority if you want to walk in total victory. I'm done. Did you get something today from the Word?
Come on, let's thank God for the word. Say it with me. I'm a victor and not a victim. I will exercise my God-given authority and walk as an overcomer. One more time, I love you. As our host comes, give God praise. What is your next step in your faith? Well, here at Church on the Rock, we would love to help you. Maybe it's to learn more about discovering what it means to belong to a church family, being part of a small group, or using your God-given gifts to serve others. Head over to cotr.org slash next steps where you can find out more to all of these. Or if you're a part of our online community, visit us at cotr.org slash online. Have a great week and don't forget that God is for you.